everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, the MLS's back tournament is over, the final is in the books, and the Portland Timbers are champions. Champions! Timbers! Wow! I mean... I I love that it was these two teams in the final after, especially Orlando, after what we saw through the tournament. But it just is feels kind of weird for it to be over. As I did that intro, we've done, I think this is our 28th show in the last, I don't know, 33, 34 days. It felt yeah. a little weird. <laughs> I felt a little sad as I did it. And we're not done. Like, the show's not over. Right. But it feels weird it does feel strange. Emotionally, it feels a little strange to be done with this thing. But we've still got one more game to get to. That's the game that happened tonight. The Portland Timbers 2-1 win over Orlando City. Credit to the Portland Timbers. They defended very, very well for 99% of this game in their defensive block. Yeah, they they really did. I thought they started to open up a little bit towards, but smartly towards the end of the game. And um, I will get to that then. But they were they were compact. They did a lot of good things, right? Should we start with them? Yeah, I think I think we should as champions, and I think we should also start with them because the main tactical theme to me in this game in open play was Orlando City's possession versus the Timbers' defensive block. Portland yeah. controlled. They only allowed one shot on target in this entire match versus an Orlando City team that has been very good and dangerous on the ball in the final third throughout this entire tournament. That is wild. Just the players that Orlando has that you could limit them to one shot is is remarkable. So I want to talk about what the Portland Timbers did well defensively and how they stopped Orlando City or how they stopped them for most of this game. First up in that for me is the Portland Timbers kept the game in front of their two lines of four. That's their back four and their midfield line of four in that 4-4-2. They sat relatively deep in a in a low block or in a mid block, depending on where Orlando City had the ball, and they played with the game in front of them. And that allowed Diego Chara and Eric Williamson to spend a lot of time keeping tabs on Mauricio Pereira and closing him down whenever he received the ball near them in that space above Portland's double pivot defensively. That made it really, really difficult for Pereira to turn, play his well-weighted through balls into the box, and impact the attack. With those two guys always on him, it was hard for him to find opportunities to do that. So where was he picking up the ball, Joe? Deeper. Like, so much deeper, right? He had to come out of that space in order to get the ball because he was it was so tight in there. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's exactly what you want. If you you want the playmaker not in zone 14, you want the playmaker not in those spaces in between the lines high up on the field. Because when Pereira did get there, although you had just mentioned this, you know, Orlando didn't get very many opportunities on target. He would at least be able to create out of those spaces. So they limited that space, therefore limiting Pereira in, in the places where he really likes to create. And that's a good point because there were moments when Pereira would get on the ball lower in the field, deeper on the field in buildup or or when Orlando City were building up in their own half. Pereira would get on the ball, check his shoulder, play forward quickly, connect play and do what he does so well, but not in the hyper dangerous areas, not in zone 14, not when Orlando City had the ball in the final third. I looked at Orlando City's pass map in this game or, or in the first 30 minutes, especially is when I was looking at it leading up to the Timbers goal in the 27th minute. 
Mm-hmm. They had a ton of passes. Orlando had a ton of passes in the middle third of the field. But they had very few dangerous passes or even completed passes in the final third, where Portland was sitting back, compressing space, and keeping their numbers in the middle of the field. Orlando City did not have a great game trying to break down and break through that block. The one thing I noticed about the block that's a little bit different that than what you said is... We, you and I have talked throughout the entirety of this tournament, especially through the play, playoff rounds and the knockout rounds, I should say, is how Orlando utilizes the channels, right? The wings, those outside spaces. And whether it's them working down the right side and overloading that side so then they can switch the point of attack with a big, a big ball to Nani, who's then isolated. But either way, there is some kind of numerical advantage on those channels, right? Sure. I was really impressed with Portland's ability to nullify that by just putting more numbers in those zones. So what I started to notice is these diamonds on each flank. So when Orlando was trying to attack down the right side, there was a diamond on the left side for Portland, the defending team of Viafania, Williamson, Blanco, and Zuberich. Those four created a diamond. And then if need be, Valeri would float in and become that fifth player if they, if Orlando brought another player to attack into that space. So there was always a numerical overload in the benefit of Portland, the defensive team. They really shored up those channels in order to, if they win the ball, Joe, this is the thing. If they win the ball, there's always a pass Mm. because you have that numerical advantage. So not only do you make it hard on the other team, but you're saying, okay, if we win it, we're going to win it here. And they believed in that. And then they had someone to outlet and therefore do what they do best. And I love that idea defensively from Portland, because when the ball was in the middle of the field, They had numbers there. And then, like you're talking about, Jordan, when the ball was wide for Orlando City, which is where they like to play a lot of the time, they would shift that way. They would put pressure on those outer players who would have an extra player to defend with. Orlando City had an interesting possession structure in this game, I thought. They were were possessing in a 3-2-5 for a lot of this, with John Moutinho tucking inside as the left back, and then he becomes a left-sided center back alongside the other two center backs for Orlando City. Then it was Uri and Mendez as the double pivot, and then Juan on the right wing, Nani on the left wing, Pereira and Mueller underneath Akindele. They had that even spacing across the front line, including those numbers in wide areas. And so that made it really important for the Timbers to get out and deal with those spaces as well, especially when you have Juan putting in crosses from one side and Nani putting in crosses from the other. Yeah. And we didn't see Juan actually open up and try to run past an outside back until the second half, late in the second half, which is like his bread and butter, right? He wants to do that. He wants to see you down the field and be like, all right, I'm coming after you <laughs> no matter who you are. And so the the fact that they limited that was really key for Portland. I, I like how you set up how Orlando was trying to play because they did. Uh, I think Moutinho and how Orlando um, were in that three back was really a lot of the times depending on where Nani was, right? If mm-hmm. Nani wanted to come back and be uh, almost like an outside midfielder, let's say, or like as a winger, come back to the touchline and not play so high up on the back line. If he pulled himself out all the way to the left, then Jamotinho would come inside, right? And be that third player. So it left a bigger space for Nani to occupy. But then we saw Nani doing whatever he could do, right? It, especially later towards... Um, 
the later parts of the game of just floating inside. And then that gave the opportunity for Matinho to get forward. So I think those two really do a good job playing off of each other, even though that uh, channel play that they've done so well didn't really pay off for them in this game. And that's something that Orlando can do well on both sides of the field. I think of it most often with with Chris Mueller and with Juan on the right side. But you're right. Moutinho's positioning is completely dependent on where Nani is. And Nani sometimes does look to where Moutinho is as well. But those two guys understand that when one player is in one vertical channel, the other player needs to be in the other spot to keep that spacing in the attack. Yeah. Okay, let's talk goals, Jordan. The Portland Timbers get on the board first in the 27th minute. They draw a foul in Orlando's half after a little bit of high pressure, a little bit of rare high pressure in those first 30 minutes. Valeri takes the free kick. He plays a beautiful ball into the box from Abiala, who heads it in. It's the Portland Timbers' first shot on goal and their first goal in this game. Portland is a team that's going to be looking for opportunities, right? Not only on the counterattack, but if you give them a chance on a set piece... They have proven through this tournament they're going to punish you. And this was a perfect example, especially with Valeri on the field. How many times does he just dish up dimes? (laughs) And this was a beautiful cross, a beautiful cross. And um, good to see the center back uh, be the first of the two to score tonight. I feel some sort of I I was going to say I love the fact that both (laughs) Timber center backs did score in this game. That makes me feel good on the inside. I want to talk more about how how this run happens inside the box from Abiala and how Orlando okay. City defend it. So as Valeri is playing the ball into the box or getting ready to play that free kick into the box, Mabiala is on, on the far side of the box. He's not the most outward player, but he's on the far side, running into the box. And he's got Joao Moutinho on his hip. Mabiala runs into the box, keeps Moutinho there, shows good strength, and heads the ball in. My question is, and what I've been wondering and trying to figure out, is what could Moutinho have done better here to avoid getting... He doesn't get dunked on, but he really can't knock Mabiala off his run. And also, why would you put a guy like John Moutinho on Mabiala in the first place? That's my first question. I don't know. Especially when you have the center backs that Orlando City has now, right? In Janssen and Antonio Carlos. Like, put one of those two players on him, right? Because he is clearly one of the best players on Portland to win the head ball. I don't know. I don't understand. Uh, so so I'm not quite sure there. Um, as far as Moutinho and, and how he plays that better... It's hard, right? Because you're trying to keep the line. Everything is is timed out to perfection as far as like, can you catch him offside if they start their run too early? And it was, man, Close. I was actually surprised we didn't go to VAR on this one because his his arm was definitely in an offside position. You can't score with your arm. Therefore, that does not count. But when I looked down, it looked like his foot, his his right foot was also offside. I mean, that was the one replay that we got of it, right? We we didn't get very many looks at it, which is why I was shocked that it didn't go to VAR. But you just have to anticipate the space better. And I don't know, I don't know anything more to say than Moutinho just got beat, you know? And and in order to make that run, I think he he probably could have jumped just to put Mariala off. But at that point, they were wrestling a little bit, right? They were trying to body each other off. It's a very difficult defensive play. It is. And credit to the Portland Timbers for the ball in from Valeri, for the yeah. run, showing good That's strength right. and the good so header. That's di- why it's so difficult. Yeah. 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 And that helps me understand a little bit more how 
how difficult of a situation that is defensively for Moutinho once he is the guy who's responsible for trying to mark Mabiala when you're trying to deal with the ball into the box that's that dangerous. That's not easy to do. Well, the reason it's it's better for the attacker, too, than the defender, Joe, is because the flight on the ball and the bend on the ball is going towards the goal, right? So as a defender, you're trying to do everything to get the ball away from the goal. So even if you get a touch on it, you have to redirect it with enough power and precision to get it to change its trajectory from towards the goal to away from the goal. Whereas if you get a flick on it, you don't have to get as much. Because it's already going in that direction. It's 1-0 at that point to the Portland Timbers. 12 minutes later, Orlando City get their equalizer. Through Mauricio Pereira, Orlando win the ball in Portland's half now with a little bit of high pressure of their own. Motinho plays the ball forward to Nani on the left sideline who goes 1v1 with Duval. Nani sneaks a low cross into the box that Pereira collects and finishes past Steve Clark to make it 1-1. Guess what my favorite part was, even though he didn't do anything. <laughs> I liked Akindele. I like that he occupied that near post space because this is the thing. When you have a player like Nani, you, every player in that box knows that he's going to get the cross off. Yeah. The the odds that he's going to get the cross off and actually not just get a cross off, but Joe, you and I have talked about this, get a cross that is a pass off is very mm-hmm. high. And Akindele, by moving into that space, he pulls the center back to create a pocket where then Pereira can make that late run um, into the box. And it was, it was beautiful. He was, Pereira was feisty, right? And even in that, he got in a, a tackle and he got in a lot of big tackles tonight, which I think is not something I would have expected to, from him, but I liked it, right? And, and his willingness to fight and um, have that side of his game that's a little bit more gritty, I, I thought was really interesting. And that goal was well executed by by Orlando because they knew if they could catch Portland in an expansive position, which they were when they were trying to build out. Portland was trying to build out and Orlando's like, all right, go ahead and try. And when they picked that ball off, it was a couple passes and they they figured out a way to get in the back of the net is exactly what you need. The seams are bigger. You create a isolation with Nani and then Pereira can have that late run. And that's exactly, for me, what the key was on this goal. Orlando Mm -hmm. City had a lot of trouble, and and credit to Portland for this, Orlando had a lot of trouble breaking down that block for reasons that we've covered already in this show. So what do you do then as a team who wants to play with the ball? You look for those transition moments. You look for those turnovers. How can you create turnovers? How can you be the team that reacts first to go and move numbers into the attack, to get the ball to your playmakers, have Nani get on the ball in a dangerous area, where he's not being severely limited by Chris Duvall like he was for a lot of this game. Yeah. Get Nani on the ball, get Pereira running aggressively into the box, have Akindele move a defender out of the way. Those little moments in transition when your possession game isn't working, that's what you want, that's what you look for. It didn't end up mattering in this game, but that's a good second dimension to how Orlando City attacks to get goals. Yeah, it did matter because it it, it put the pressure... It even the pressure back up, right? It made Portland have to figure out a way to to score again in order to to win, because otherwise they would have just sat in. So I did think, I, you know, it doesn't matter in the end with the the when you look at it, it's a win and a loss, but it did matter as far as the rest, how the game played out. That's a good point. And in the second half, we do see some of the same patterns from these two teams. Orlando City having a lot of possession, the Portland Timbers playing in that defensive block, trying to win it and go, and having some sequences of sustained possession as well. 
But it's the Timbers' goal in the 66th minute that puts them on top in this game. It's a corner kick from Diego Valeri. He picks out Eric Williamson on the far side of the box. Williamson is wide open in tons of space. He takes a touch, chops the ball back, shoots. Ibobisi somehow redirects the shot. I don't think it's intentional. Redirects the shot to Zuperich, who scores to make it 2-1. You know what I wrote down from that whole thing is you give Portland a free kick. Then you give Portland a corner kick. Then you give Portland another corner kick. That was the run of play. Mm-hmm. Free kick to a corner kick to a corner kick. And at some point, you got to think, how many, how many chances are you going to give them? Especially what they so- showed you in the first half. And for me, Joe, were you looking at the wide open Williamson and saying, how was he wide open? I always ask myself that question on corner kicks <laughs> and set pieces. Well, for me, it, it looked like the way that Orlando was defending was they they were man marking a couple players, but they were in a, a pretty hefty zone. And because of how many players they had in the zone, it left a big gap on the back side, which if you're going to have a place where like if you're going to have that many zone markers, you probably want to put someone back there, too, because that's a really hard place for those back zonal players to get all the way out in order to head it right or to clear the ball. Whereas if you're in the front space and there's a lot of runners running to the near post, well, that's easier for one player to to meet the ball than it is for somebody on the back, right? So I don't think Pereira was that player that should have gone out to the ball. But because he was that player, he got chopped because he's not coming from the right direction. He's coming from the side of Williamson. He notices him. And I thought that was a really clever play by Williamson. The set piece design from Portland is clever against how against how Orlando City set up with the defensive scheme that you detailed. It's good spacing from Williamson to be that far back. They I think they run Mabiala forward to pin Orlando City back in that back area anyway to just ensure that he was going to have time and space on the ball. He does the delivery from Valeria is good that gets the ball to Williamson in the first place. And then it's fortunate at that point, right? It's a little bit fortunate that Abobasi gets a touch and then Zuparich is there to tap the ball home. But it's a and good it design Nani. and smart. <laughs> and it makes Nani. It's a good design from the Portland Timbers on that corner kick. And they do score. If you give the Timbers enough chances, like you're saying, Jordan, this is what's going to happen at least some of the time. Yeah. Especially when they're a team who thrives off of... They gave up that one goal, but you could tell in the second half they were they were feeling themselves, right? And when you are not creating, especially when you're not getting chances on frame against them, I think they start to like puff out their chest a little bit and just know that they have the game exactly where they want it. And I kind of sense that from them. That's the Portland Timbers, though, right? Yeah. I mean, that's who they want to be. They want to be difficult to break down. They want to be good in transition, good on set pieces, good even when they have those longer possession moments. They did that. By and large, in this game, they were hard to break down. They got goals off of set pieces or in the aftermath of set pieces. Sebastian Blanco and Valeri did some things in possession. You can't really ask for a whole lot more if you're Gio Savarese. No, you can tell by his reactions to to everything. And I I thought his team executed the game plan that he wanted very well. And especially when it comes to set pieces, especially when it comes to limiting chances for Orlando. And then one of the things I know we've talked a lot about water breaks, right? I want to talk about what Gio Savarese said about the water break that he wanted in the second half. Right. So there's at this point, 15 minutes left in, in the match plus stoppage time. And he said, we want our team to play a little bit higher. And which is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Because 
in, late in the game, you would think, oh, wow, you you don't want the, the spaces to open up that much. But one of the reasons I feel like that was also a really good move by Savarese is because Oscar Parejas changed so many players in that Orlando team in those last 20, 25 minutes that I think it allowed Portland to play higher. You take out Mueller, you take out Akindeli, you take out Huan, but he came out later than, than this. They took out Uri and, and Mendez. Yes, they take out those players. And Mendez was very active in the second half. He was playing almost right off of Akindeli. And what was difficult is because the spaces were, were larger, Orlando actually was able to break them down and try to get passes into those front runners, right? There was two players really playing up front, but they couldn't control the ball. They couldn't keep it under the pressure of the back line of Portland up on, on top of them. So I think Savarese played it well and, and said these players are fresh into the game. They're not going to be ready to handle this pressure. And he was like, all right, let's 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 move the ball higher up the field, further away from our goal. It was a smart tactical move. Defensive diamonds, Orlando City trying to break down a Portland Timbers solid defense, weird goals off of set pieces, good goals off of set pieces, transition moments, tactical adjustments. So much happened in this game. So much Mm. happened in this tournament. And it's over now. It's over. No. (laughs) That's my teary cry. It sounds fake, but I I know we're both a little (laughs) bit on the inside sad that this tournament is over. I'm really sad. I I, I enjoyed it. 51 games in just over a month, a ton of shows. We worked really hard on this tournament, genuinely. Jordan, you stayed up to 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to have conversations with me about soccer. I stayed up a little bit late, but it's not as bad here over on the west side of the country. We talked a lot of soccer, though. We did, and you edited every single podcast. Joe, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of us. Like, we really, we went for it. I like it. We really did go for it. Listeners, thank you all sincerely for listening and for following along with us in this tournament. It's been a really crazy ride. We're going to have more for you guys. We're going to have more coming up to cover the rest of this MLS season. However, it ends up looking whatever this phase of games coming after this tournament looks like. We're going to take a little breather. We'll be back very soon, though, to cover more of these games and to analyze them and hopefully give you all a window into what's happening on the field. Oh, yes, we will, Joe. It's been so much fun, and I can't wait to keep it going through MLS's back, back back that's enough backs for me jordan thank you again (laughs) listeners thank you for listening and we'll be back again soon